going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Will Parkinson, at WillPod11 on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Double episode today, Mo Morden, uh, who covers the Raiders, hopped on this morning. Uh, you know, we talked a little Jets Raiders, what's going on with the uh, the black and silver, um, you know, up in Vegas, who, you know, have the most expensive tickets and, uh, you know, in the NFL, so good for them. Brad Spielberger in his normal spot. Brad, we're uh, 36 hours now removed from the offensive debacle that was uh, Monday night. How are you feeling? Yeah, I feel great. That was one of the uglier football games in a very long time. And I know we're used to saying that about you know, Jets football, Bears football, whatever. But, you know, we can always go back to this defense just held Justin Herbert to 136 passing yards uh, and like a 50% completion rate. So that was that was beautiful to watch. Yeah, it was uh, it's one of the it's one of the most games that. I don't know how to explain this. Like, I felt crappy leaving the Patriots game no matter what. It was like they lost to the Patriots again. I felt like Zach was horrible. There was not a lot of redeeming qualities. I didn't even feel like the defense played particularly, like, up to their standard. Special teams was fine, but not up to – like, you just didn't feel good leaving that game. You're like, oh, here we go again. This game, I felt like part of me thinks, sitting on it now for a little while, the offensive line wasn't quite as bad as we thought. Um, it was not good, but it was not as bad. I think maybe four to five of those sacks are more on Zach and the play call than they were the offensive line. Again, Billy Turner does not help anybody. Um, and he looks like he's a broken hand. So maybe that's an addition by subtraction. I felt like Garrett Wilson played probably his worst game of the year and still almost had a hundred yards and still made impact plays. Thought Brees Hall had one of his worst games of the year and he still was really good. Like it wasn't like he was bad by any means. Like it's not saying Brees was bad. I'm just saying like, it's not like he, he wasn't a superhero and, he still was fine. I thought Tyler Conklin had one of his better games. I thought um, Mekhi Becton looked good. I thought this defense was as dominant of a defense as we've seen all year regarding the opponent. I think we've seen some dominant performances from this Jets defense. I think we've seen teams like Cleveland um, and Baltimore do it against some weaker opponents, generally speaking. Like, you know, Cleveland had this amazing game you know, against Clayton Toon and, and whatever. It's hard to, like, get excited the Jets against Tommy DeVito. They end up against Justin Herbert, who's a consensus top five, top six guy. Keenan Allen, who's a really good player, Eckler, who's one of the shiftiest backs in the league. And they, I mean, they suffocated them, like suffocated to a, a point where I believe this defense is now um, the last three games. I think they're giving up 3.4 yards per play, which is against the Eagles, Chargers, and obviously the Giants mixed in there. That's insane. So I know we'll talk about the negative here in a second, but I do want to start on a positive note. Is there anything else positive that maybe I missed or we didn't hit on there? Because there was some positive on Monday night, as crazy as it sounds. The, the, the point is huge in that it's always context adjusted. I mean, even you know, I tweeted this out on Tuesday morning. Rashawn Slater has one game in his career prior to this game where he'd allowed more than four pressures or more than a 10% pressure rate per pass blocking snaps. He allowed like a 15.8% pressure rate and eight pressures in this game. And it was JFM had a couple, uh, Bryce Huff had, I think three of them uh, of the eight. And then I think also when McDonald had one, I think his one pressure came against Rashawn Slater, if I remember it correctly. So it's like, you know, people kind of mock the Chargers, make fun of this team. Yes, they had a losing record coming into this game. They were fifth in EPA per play and fi- like seventh in success rate on offense. Their defense has been the the travesty. The offense has been good. You know, yeah, they've also lost to Dallas, Miami, and Kansas City. Like they're not. <laughs> like, yeah, let's yeah, chill yeah, out right. a little bit. Right, right. By like what one scores, and I think all of those games, maybe yep. not Miami, but yeah. So yeah, they're a good football team, particularly on offense. Yeah, it's it's. 
we had the conversation of is the Jets a top five defense, whatever. I mean, the argument is are they the best in the NFL or not? That's the argument you can have at, at this point in the season. Yeah, look, I, I've had this debate with people. I think there's other defenses, maybe Baltimore, you look at it in totality, and Cleveland, you can maybe say, like, they've played more consistent through eight or nine games technically by the stats. The Jets have the best front seven, the best D-line, the best linebacker duo, and the best corners in the league, and they have one of the best defensive coaches. I'm sorry, like, and I've seen it against the best opponents. Like, I'm not – generally speaking, that means, uh, you know, you're probably the best unit. You know, I'm looking at, you know, we, obviously you're a PFF, and so, like, you know, sometimes people, however they want to feel about PFF grades. CJ Mosley, I've always been like a – I feel like this scheme makes it really hard to grade him at PFF. It's just like – and to anybody that's not in the building, it is a difficult scenario. He's playing, I believe he's the third-rated linebacker in the NFL, second in coverage. You know, his two last two full seasons, like, he's been getting, I don't know, he's been awesome this year, and he's a guy that we talk all about Quincy, talk about Bryce Hoff and Jermaine and all these guys. C.J. Mosley's having a really impressive season in his, you know, early 30s now. It's a little Demario Davis-ish with, like, you expected them to fall off, and it's like, oh, 15 tackles, TFL, two forced fumbles again. Like, how does this keep happening? Crazy. Yeah. The Levante David, Demario Davis, like Wagner to a degree, but I think Wagner has kind of lost it in coverage, but, um, but yeah, no, it, it, it is a good shout. And also, and you've been on the bandwagon, you know, before anyone, I mean, Michael Carter, Carter saw a lot of Keenan Allen on the slot in this game. And it's not like it was some sort of mismatch and only sauce and DJ Reed were, were the ones that were shutting him down. That is the thing too, is we talk a lot about how defense can be a weak link system where you can be really good at like eight spots, but if you have three terrible players, offenses are just going to target those guys and they they can do a lot against you. There is not a weak spot on this defense. No, there's not. Uh, let's get to the the elephant in the room, I guess, that is the, the Jets offense. I guess it, it's, again, this is, I'm so sick of tired of talking about this fucking quarterback situation and offensive coordinator and who to blame and what to blame. They're, they're producing at a worse rate than the 2020 Jets were and the 2020 Jets were wide receiver one, Brashad Perryman, wide receiver two, Chris Hogan, with the worst offensive line in the NFL and Sam Darnold not playing well at all. So, like, it's ridiculous we're having this conversation. That said, I actually think there's a lot of this. It's not as, like, hard to solve some of these issues as I think we're making it seem. Yes, there's wide receiver two a problem. Yeah, Alan Lazard probably just played the worst game he's ever played since he was in high school. Like, that's just he did. He, only, he didn't practice all week and then – I don't know what three penalties is insane for a wide receiver. It was very Corey Davis ish from last year. Um, he struggled with drops. He struggled with drops in camp. I thought Xavier Gibson actually got targeted in the passing game, but again, he's an undrafted rookie. Like what can you really expect? I thought CJ Uzama was atrocious. I know he didn't grade out quite as bad as maybe he, I, I thought with my eyes, he looked pretty bad. Um, I've been on that for a long time, but that's just me personally. And then the offensive line Joe Tippmann and Mekhi Becton, who are like guys you would have as building blocks, actually looks pretty good. I thought Lincoln Tomlinson probably played his worst game of the year, and I don't know if that had to do with like – he seems like when he has consistency on either side of him, he plays well, and when he doesn't is when he struggles. The right side of the offensive line was a problem. Um, Max Mitchell and uh, and Billy Turner were not good. So I guess what do you make of this offense? It's – you know, I, I know there's a lot to get to. We'll get to Zach Wilson, but what do you make of this offense as a whole? 
Yeah, I do think the most important thing is that I, I agree. Makai Becton and Joe Tipman did play well. Uh, I mean, Tipman now kicking it to center, it, not an easy ask. And there are some, you know, decent players on the interior. Sebastian Joseph Day, I think, is playing better this season than he did the year prior in L.A. I'm not a huge fan of, like, Austin Johnson. But, oh, another Morgan Fox is a good interior pass rusher. You know, not a good run defender, but he's going to get pressures um, as he did in this game. But, you know, it's a lot to ask for, for a, you know, a guy to not only play center after playing guard, but also work with the quarterback that you know he's he's still you know not it's not like working with Aaron Rodgers where he's probably calling out the protections and just telling you where to slide and and, and lining everyone up like the center is going to have responsibility here so I thought they looked good no question about it you know you mentioned Turner obviously struggled Max Mitchell struggled in his defense I don't think he's played guard since maybe he was in high school you mentioned right. high school so like it's, it's it's a lot to ask of, of all these players um yeah, the receiver thing is 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 tough, man. Uh, I mean, Lazard really has struggled. He's not he's not getting any separation whatsoever. He mentioned he's injured, so that's obviously important context. But yeah, it's it's Garrett and, and some dudes right now, and, and it's tough. But like you said, all those excuses and everything. This this Chargers defense has given up a lot of yards and a lot of points to a lot of bad teams. Tyson Bajant, we'll mention him again. Tyson Bajan averaged 7.3 yards per attempt against the New Orleans Saints and moved the ball pretty consistently the entire game. Like, yeah, he had three interceptions and a, and a sack fumble, so he had the negative as well, but it also came with positive. Um, downfield, you know, attacking uh, over the middle, all these different things. You know, it, it there's not you can't have three yards per, per play in a game. Yeah, uh, this is what I want to kind of get to here, and I – this is so I just again I cannot play this is literally the same conversation we had from the bye week on last year about the Jets was oh this is a top five top one maybe defense this is a good special teams this is talent on you know we didn't they didn't have Brees Hall but it's the same thing there's look at all these core guys they're just a quarterback away let me clarify a few things is Nate Hackett a good offensive coordinator no no one's ever said he was a good offensive coordinator they said he was good in, I said he was good in the red zone in Green Bay and of course there's a lot to do with Aaron Rodgers um, Aaron Rodgers was the offensive coordinator of this team. I, I don't know how else to like phrase it. He was, you saw it during camp. You saw it on hard knocks. If he didn't like the play, he could check out of it. There's communication. He, Hackett knows what Rodgers likes. Rodgers knows what Hackett likes. There was a clear mesh there. And again, I'm not absolving Hackett here. I'm just saying like, it's Zach Wilson's gone through two offensive coordinators, th two QB coaches, different receiver rooms, different running back rooms, different offensive lines. The same head coach, but like, he he's the only remain like remaining constant so like you can blame everybody else but i love like, the one thing i won't deal with here is like the quarterback doesn't get to get all the credit and be the most important position and then when it comes to the jets there's a section of the fan base and media that will say oh it's everybody else's fault like that's not how it works like it's not all zach wilson again we just touched on it billy turner sucked on on monday night and i have no like i don't i hate doing that but like he did i think he seven or eight pressures and he had a broken bone in his hand. Oh, ten. Oh, okay, <laughs> even better. But like you know, some I saw people. Oh, Zach had two hundred sixty yards. He threw the ball fifty times against the worst pass defense football and averaged five yards an attempt. Like again, I it's not here to crush Zach. I just look at this thing and it's like we can blame everybody else, but at some point the player is who he is. We blamed every. I am the biggest Sam Darnold defender ever. We blamed everybody else with Sam, and it was everybody everything about that, and like. He's a backup quarterback in the NFL. Unfortunately, as much as I love Sam and I hope he takes the Niners to the Super Bowl, and like I can say the Jets to be a two seed with Sam, like we can joke about all that stuff. But in reality, some guys just aren't cut, you know, cut out for it. And it comes back to the same problem. 
there was just no excuse to not have, you know, a backup for Zach. And we heard Robert Sala talk about it yesterday. I guess, what do you make of this, the whole situation? I know it's so tiresome to talk about it, but. No, it's, it is the warranting of, of larger conversation. So first, just quick on the game, like his pressure to sack rate was bad. He's now sixth in the NFL with a 23% pressure to sack rate. So again, yes, the offensive line is bad. Guys are not separating. We still parse everything out and he, and he shares a lot of the blame. It's tough when you have these all in years. And of course, there's, you know, the infamous quote from what Peyton Manning's old quarterbacks coach, like, what do you do if 16 goes down? Like, we don't practice. If if, if 16 gets hurt, we're effed. Like, we, you know, <laughs> and, I, and I get that. But when you're going to have a legitimate go all in window with a team that we think is really, really talented elsewhere to neglect that spot, I, I think is it's problematic. I mean, we've seen so many teams over the last couple of years where they need that guy to come in and play one or two games and it helps them maintain seating or win their division versus being a wild card and get a home game. Like those little edge cases where having a Gardner Minshew or having, and it was a one year, three and a half million dollar contract. And he's what, like four and one as a starter right now. And I'm not saying like, you know, that's just one example, but anyway, it's, it's, it, it, it's, it's unfortunate because it was an oversight. I think one or two games already would have swung in the jets favor. If they had just a competent backup quarterback in the fold. And I get that it's, it's complicated because, you know, fully guaranteed contract, second overall pick in theory, you're convincing yourself, or maybe they're not like maybe Rogers mentors and back up. And he actually does take over in 2025. Like a lot of that was probably, you know, a facade, but, but nevertheless, as complicated as it is, my big thing with these windows is if you're going to go all in, do it all the way. Don't don't make it a half measure. And and, and not having a competent backup quarterback is a huge, huge oversight. Not that Rodgers is injury prone. The guy's 40 years old. Like the odds he was going to miss one or two games, even if not, you know, a catastrophic Achilles injury was probably pretty high. Yeah. And what I I talked about this on, on Badlands in June, and we talked about this. I talked about this during the spring. I mean, you talked about this at the Combine and Senior yeah. Bowl, and this was we're talking eight months ago, and they didn't even have Rodgers at the time. What, what's bothersome to me is, like, there was this whole narrative that it was horrible for Zach's development not having a veteran in that room, and they waited till the end of the year. They traded for Joe Flacco, and went off the parse through, like, the dog shit of what, you know, kind of occurred there. What's frustrating is Zach was then just unanimously the backup quarterback, and I actually felt like it's unfair to Zach because like, how is he going to get, he's never going to be like, not humbled, but that's not the right word. Zach doesn't even be humbled. It's not like he's like an arrogant kid. It's like, how is he supposed to ever like kind of figure it out if he doesn't have time to sit, which is a huge thing. And obviously no one could have expected it would happen, but like he's played every single snap this year. Like he's other than four snaps, he's been the guy, right? Like there's, there's never basically been a time where he hasn't been a starter. And during camp, you actually get a ton of reps as the backup, like a ton. He played all preseason. So actually got an extra preseason game as well in the system. So like it just to not even have competition. And then this is what I, I, I said before, I'm not, I wasn't expecting that bench Jack Wilson this week. Let's be real. We haven't seen anything from the jets in the last couple of years that would indicate they're actually going to seriously do it. Yes, yeah, I know he got benched last year, but there was like a, such a desperation mode of like prime time Thursday night football and whatever. It's the fact that like they won't even activate Trevor Simeon to even be a competition because in my head, I think everyone knows we've seen enough Trevor Simeon. He's not good. I, I'm, no one's like, I'm not lying to anybody to say, oh, he's awesome. He's got 43 touchdowns, 29 picks. He has made a Pro Bowl in the past. Like, Yes, he doesn't want to start technically, but I think he had 11 touchdowns, three picks uh, two years ago in New Orleans. And again, they went 0-3, and like I'm sure somebody will give me the QB wins thing. 
I guess my point is like Robert Sala had to plead the fifth on why he's not active on game days. I had people tweeting at me all week. Oh, you don't see Trevor Simeon practice. No, dude, I know exactly what's going on in practice. And I can tell you that the third string practice squad quarterback gets no reps. So there's nothing to see in practice. I can just look at the game tape and know that like the ball comes out quicker. There's, there's going to be less protecting the football, but there's me more big time plays. Joe Caparoso brought this stat up. Mike Whitehead and Joe Flacco both have the same amount of career touchdowns to Garrett Wilson that Zach Wilson does. Um, in two games last year, I'm quoting Joe against the Browns and the Bears. Joe Flacco started uh, and Mike White started one. They had eight total offensive touchdowns. They have eight total offensive touchdowns through eight games. Like, again, I'm not asking, this isn't a beat up Zach thing. It's more of a like, they're so good elsewhere. Like, it's just like, that's what's frustrating. And I, I feel for Zach, like he's in a horrible situation but also, isn't he in kind of a decent situation where, like, this should work? I don't know. I don't know what to make. I just so – I don't know even know what to, like, say on it anymore. I guess it's just, like – it's crazy. We've covered it from every angle. I understand why, you know, you struggle to to know what to say at this point. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, Zach has 11 touchdown passes over the last two years. Like, C.J. Stroud already has 14 in his first, you know, eight NFL games. Like, we could just do stats all day long – uh, you know, that, that don't show up particularly favorably. Like you said, it's, it's funny. At the same time, I do feel bad for him because some, some you know, like he, he didn't ask for this. And like you said, he probably could have really benefited from just not even really worrying about playing and just focusing on learning football and, and getting the mental reps and all of those things. But I just come back to that where it's like, you know, I get there. It's not a cash machine. I understand there already are top, top of the NFL and spending and all that, but you get here's a perfect example. Aaron Rodgers takes a thirty whatever thirty five million dollar pay cut. You spend about one year seven million on Dalvin Cook, who does not play, and that could have gotten you any backup quarterback in the NFL that you wanted. I know that came later on; those guys were already signed at that point. But like, you chose to spend it on a guy that literally is already not even part of the offense halfway through the season. George Fant was out there, you know, uh, you know, Lyle Collins is still sitting at home, like, they, they, and, and backup quarterbacks, you know, I'm not saying add Carson Wentz. I'm, I, I, you know, I don't want to put you in an even darker emotional state. I'm not, I'm not, you know, willing Carson Wentz onto you, but, uh, but yeah, no, it's, it was a miss. It was a miss. And I think Joe Douglas has built a phenomenal roster, uh, which almost makes it more annoying. Cause it's like, if they had that spot figured out, you know, we probably wouldn't be having this conversation. Yeah. It's just, I just don't like, there's some, just some narratives that have happened this year. Oh, you can't sign a quarterback because they take too long to learn the system. Baker Mayfield won a game on three days rest last year. Josh Shaw just won a game on three days rest. Um, we've seen it all the time. The NFL, when you're in, especially these backup quarterbacks, when they're in the NFL long enough, a lot of these systems are very similar. The terminology might be different, but you know, what some, what all, one offense might call polo deal, post wheel, the other offense might, you know, refer to it as something else, but it's still post wheel or like it, it flooded and smash and all these concepts. They are the same concepts in every system. Um, you base, that's when you go to the, you go to the wristband, you go to these things, if it needs be. And like, again, I'm not just like sitting here campaigning to have Zach bench, but I also think like the fact that he, there's no threat of that ever happening is what's frustrating that like, what if you're down seven, it's the Patriots game again, or it's like it was, it's 14 to three in Vegas on Sunday and their defense is playing amazing. There's two pick sixes. Like you're not playing Tim Boyle. So like what you're just like, you can't, are you going to die on this sword? Like there's like, they're not, Salah's not going to lose his job unless something goes horribly wrong this year. Rogers loves the guy. He talks about Salah all the time. Rogers wants him here. He'll be here. But like, it would really suck to not get to see Robert Salah with a, with a quarterback just playing even average. Cause he's gotten this defense playing to a level. That's just insane. Um, I want to talk 
quickly about this this Raiders game and like some po- we'll finish on some positivity here. Um, yeah. This is typical Jets. They will probably win this game by double digits. They will look awesome and they will go into Buffalo and all of a sudden everyone will talk about the division again. Like or they get blown out. They're, I don't see where and like they lose sixteen to thirteen. There's just that doesn't happen. What do you see kind of happening Sunday, and how do you like see the Jets matching up? Uh, you know, with uh, Oakland, of course. I knew I was going to do it. Vegas. Yeah, uh, this goes without saying. This is obviously a must-win game. Um, I think the biggest thing I noticed from watching last week's film uh, in Las Vegas, trying to understand, you know, what they're doing differently now. Um, Aiden O'Connell had a 2.1 second average time to throw. It was the fastest in the NFL this past week. Um, that was the biggest change. They got the ball out quickly. Oh, and here's a novel idea. They absolutely fed the rushing title, uh, reigning rushing title holder, Josh Jacobs. Uh, what a crazy concept for that offense to feed an elite running back in Josh Jacobs, uh, who, you know, needless to say, went off and had almost 100 yards, two touchdowns, looked good, uh, was making players miss in space. But I think it's going to be an interesting game. This is a pretty good, under-the-radar, good offensive line. Like, I'm, I feel weird saying that. They're top five for us in pressure rate allowed. They're top five in pass block rate as a unit. We all knew Colton Miller was a good player. I think becoming one of the more, like, underrated tackles, I think, in the NFL, no one talks about the guy. Um, he's a really good pass protector. But young guys like Thayer Munford and Dylan Parham now at left guard is making some plays, looking for work. Um so, the, the, I mean, the, the pass rush has to get home because they're going to get the ball out extremely quickly. Jacoby Myers, Devontae Adams, a rejuvenated Hunter Renfro, uh, you know, almost a Jets legend. Like, they have some guys uh, that, uh, you know, that can make plays. Like, Michael Myers coming along, but I think he's starting to make some flash plays as well. So, on that side of the ball, they are going to get the ball out as fast as humanly possible. And we've talked about this a bunch. You got to tackle guys immediately. None of the missed tackles. There were some missed tackles in that Chargers game that were problematic and and, and kind of, you know, I'm not going to blame the defense for that game. But anyway, there were there were a couple of those. On the flip side, for me, the Raiders defense is not a good team. It, it, you have Max Crosby and you have some dudes that are that are trying to make some plays around him. I, I like some young piece in the secondary. Um, Nate Hobbs is a good player, good slot corner. I bet he will see a lot of Garrett when he kicks inside. I like Trevon Mayrig as a good, like, you know, ball hawking deep safety. But realistically, Max Crosby versus Max Mitchell or whoever it is at right tackle might determine, like, the entire offensive, you know, game for the Jets. That's that's the whole matchup. Yeah, it's it's one of those matchups where, like, if you didn't have concerns, the offense could put up 17 to 20 points. I would say the Jets could literally blow this. They're not going to blow any team out. But, like, the one thing I will say with the Raiders is, you saw last week, they took a lot of shots. And I don't know if it's because they were playing Wink Martindale, but they started like where the Jets function best is the teams that get bored with like the easy stuff, which young quarterbacks get really bored with five yard checkdowns. If Aiden O'Connell starts feeling himself a little bit off of last week and you start taking shots downfield, those turn into three, four, five interception games against the type of defense this is. And like, I just have a feeling like the Jets gave up between 10 and 13 points on offense, like on, on defense on Sunday. Probably Devontae gets Sauce maybe once, maybe he doesn't. I It's really excited to just see that matchup. So, Sauce did shadow Keenan Allen on two third downs, uh, which I have not seen the Jets do. Uh, he played in the slot, which was really interesting. That was the play Brandon Eccles gave up a, a comeback route, and everyone's like, why is Eccles out there? I'm like, I was third and nine. He threw it to Quinn Johnson. I was like, oh, Sauce was in the slot shadowing guys. Wow, this is interesting. Um, I, I think the question comes down to, like, can the Jets get Brees Hall 20, 23 carries for 140 yards and a touchdown on Sunday? Like, there's going to be a lot of Jets fans in the building. If the Jets are playing in a dome, the element shouldn't be a problem. There should be a lot of BYU fans, I'm sure, because of, like, 
you know, the Zach Wilson, uh, you know, burners on in my mentions with 17 numbers in their in their account name and, and the whole thing. I just feel like it's a game where like they should win this game. I, I'm sorry, they they should. I don't care that like Robert Sala should be able to outcoach Antonio Pierce. Antonio Pierce has coached one NFL game, although Brian Dable got smoked. So I, <laughs> I don't really know what to think anymore. But like, am I crazy to be like, I'm kind of positive about this game. I don't know why. This has always happened. But I feel like this before the Eagles game, I feel like this before the Bills game where it was like doom and gloom. And then all of a sudden they come out and they play a really nice performance. Well, I think it's fair. Uh, run behind Lincoln Tomlinson and Mekhi Becton 20 times. So, like, if you look at the, the Lions game, it sounds over simple, overly simplistic, but if Max Crosby did not get in the backfield immediately, they probably averaged seven yards a carry. And it didn't matter if it was Craig Reynolds or Jameer Gibbs or whoever they were handing the football. Um, you can run on the left side because you know, the defensive line, like, they have a couple, like, you know, John Jenkins and, like, and like Adam Butler and, like, some dudes that are decent against the run on the interior. But realistically – this defense is bad and the linebackers are, they are like run stuffing type dudes, sideline to sideline guys. But again, if you can't run on Robert Spillane and Denzel Perriman, or I don't even know who's playing linebacker for them right now. Like if you can't do that, then just, just hang up the cleats and call it a day. Um, yeah, no, I think you're right. This needs to be a breeze hall game to mitigate the issue that is Max Crosby, but also not to do my best Eli Manning impression, like maybe chip uh, on Max Crosby a, a bunch in this game. I feel like Eli kind of, I don't know if you saw that, but yeah. he was basically saying on every this single is a big, This is a big Jeremy Rucker game of like, Jeremy yeah, Rucker yeah, is yeah. going to be your, or, you know, I saw people floating the idea of just running six linemen. Sure, whatever it's going to be. Um, yeah. But like, Jeremy Rucker should be hitting Max Crosby every single play. Like, I know yes. he's not going to wear down, um, but like, guys still wear down. Even like superhuman you know, edge rushers and stuff. Michael Parsons gets tired during games when he gets hit over and over. Like, you just let them tee off. It's a different story. Zach Wilson's got to use his legs. I, I don't – worst play of the season, arguably, was shuffle passing to Michael Carter when he had 20 yards to run on, on second or third down or whatever it was, and Garrett Wilson one-on-one versus man. Um, press man and inside the 30 and not taking a shot in a go ball is, is crazy. But, again, like, use your legs. And Hackett's got to drop some trick stuff. It's got to be a reverse. It's got to be um, – a, a throwback a flea flicker whatever it's going to be and like you have to find a way to get a win here because they do play really well against buffalo and they do play well against miami and like those are two games that are going to ter- help determine your season it's a lot easier to dig yourself out of five and six potentially worst case or six and five and like trying to fight rogers isn't coming back unless you're in the mix and i don't care what he says right. he's not coming back in at christmas if you know they're, if they're four and nine so find a way to five and four Take your chances with Buffalo, who has not been impressive. Tampa Bay should have probably beaten them, and Tampa Bay is awful. Um, so, I don't know. Maybe you're six and five going into Miami. Maybe you're post that game or whatever it might be. Like, they got a shot here. Just everyone take a deep breath. Got a lot off my chest today. It was hard yesterday doing the pod by myself. I'm just talking to a blank screen, yelling. It was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, just getting mad at a reflection of yourself in the mirror. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's it's not fun. Tough. That's tough um no. yeah no i uh obviously appreciate hopping on as always good luck to your bears um prime time prime time Bayesian. the bryce young experiment uh wolf um he might be yeah. that class is zach wilson if, if things continue uh unfortunately yeah. we get to see a promising rookie quarterback that's shown flashes and bryce young in that yeah. game tomorrow night so <laughs> dj stroud is officially stamped he is unbelievable uh i call yeah. him turbo jared goff and i got a lot of pushback that like that was a bad thing. Jared Goff is a very good NFL quarterback. So, like, I think the Texans would take that. Um, they'll probably make the playoffs quite a bit in that division. 
and, and throw and like just also like good throwers of the football can can take you know off speeds zip it in there like I mean anyway this isn't a CJ Stroud podcast but his his performance was preposterous yeah uh, how many quarterbacks would you take over CJ Stroud the next five years not it's as many super as you small think. list yeah it's a, it's a list. super especially if you factor in contract and whatnot like that list is tiny yeah like are you taking I don't know I don't actually are you, are you taking Jalen Hurts for the next five years making fifty five million dollars a year I don't think I am yeah. Oh, you, he's like the cutoff, I think, because Hurts yeah. is like a sixth, seventh best quarterback in the league, and like that's where it gets interesting. Yeah, it gets like, are you taking Tua right now? Probably still no. take Tua, but like you wouldn't take Tua once he gets paid this offseason because he's right. going to get right. paid, and then it's all of a sudden, can you whatever? Well, this is, we'll t- we'll do this during the offseason. <laughs> yeah. Appreciate everybody for listening. We'll be back of one more episode before the uh, for the game comes out. Enjoy the rest of uh, of your week, and and we'll talk to you guys soon.